We love you, Jacob. <laughs> my girlfriend, Jessica, jokes about my bromances way too much. <laughs> Good morning, TLR. Um, how are we all doing this morning? What's, it's not even morning anymore, is it? It's kind of like, it, it's pre-noon. Let's call this pre-noon. <laughs> um, has this week been bad for anybody else? Just like a hard week? Just like you feel confused? And like you've got things in front of you. And it's all there. And you see it, and you know what you've got to do. And you know how you've got to do it. But you don't want to. <laughs> and you get it. You get it. You, you see, you're like, Here, here's the tasks I need to do. Here's the things I need to do in front of me. But I don't want to do those things today. <laughs> and I might not want to do them tomorrow. And I just feel like that's the season that I'm in right now. It's like, I, I see what's in front of me. I see what I've got to do. But doing it that way somehow invokes this thing in me. It's confusion. It's, it's, it's out of my element. It's, it's something that I just don't really want. And it's not like I, like I despise it or anything. I just, I just don't want to do it. Anyway, that's entirely off the subject, but that's, I feel like that's just where I'm at right now, and I hope a lot of you are kind of sound like in the same boat. So one of the cool things we get to do here at the living room is we get a multitude of different people here as teachers right now. We're going to start doing this over the next few weeks, and we are going to tackle the subject of prayer. Now, prayer is one of those things that I feel is kind of, we all know how to do it. And we know we should be doing it. But who here says, you know, man, you know, I prayed so much yesterday. I got that done. Definitely got that prayer thing done. Got that out of my system. Woo! I prayed so much yesterday. But I can personally say I don't pray enough. So over the next few weeks, we're going to see different people here, or different leaders come up and talk about prayer and things that are on their hearts about prayer. I'm kind of going to take an interesting different turn this week. Um, so kind of give you guys a, an idea of where I've came from. I was raised Lutheran. So I went to a Lutheran private school. Actually, it was a two-room schoolhouse until I was about at the age of 13. Um, we had a total of maybe 50 kids in, the, in grades one through eight. Um, two of them being my siblings and another one being my cousin, so it was like a really close-knit group. <laughs> it's kind of weird, kind of getting to that, getting to that point. So we made prayer a part of our day every day in this school because we were a Lutheran school. And you had prayers that you did in the morning, in the afternoon, and it was just set. It was a very rigorous we do this prayer here, we do this prayer here, we do this. Why do we do this prayer? Well, this is why. And you study it one time as a child, but then you understand for the rest of your life, that's the way I've got to do it. This is when, this is now, this is how. Let's go there. 
But to continue on prayer, let, let's go to a really weird place to open everything up. So last year at this time, well, it was about a year and a half ago, um, me and some of my friends here, actually John Early and Steve Ritchie, were at my house, and I decided to have this night. So I said, okay, I'm going to get people over to my house, and we're going to have, we're going to sit down, we're going to build a fire in the fireplace, we're going to maybe have, you know, like a nice bottle of bourbon or something, I'll sit there and talk about, talk about, and Rob Kelly was there actually too, I see him smirking over, he, he'll say no, but he was there. So I said, we're going to have a theology night, like C.S. Lewis, Tolkien, let's all get here in my living room and discuss theology, let's get nitty and gritty. And John Myers was there, who's not here right now, but he was there, I swear, <laughs> So I said, you know, we can, we can open the floor to topics of discussion and theology, and let's just have a good debate. Let's just throw down some theology and just see what's going on. So John sits down. He says, well, I've, I've got a topic. I've, I said, I've prepared a multitude of topics if we have any idea. And John's got, well, I've got one. You know, it's, it's kind of a holiday season here. And, you know... Santa. So it's the Christmas season. And all these kids are saying, you know, well, what do you want Santa to bring you for Christmas? I need a new BB gun. I always need a new BB gun. But <laughs> um, I would shoot my eye out. You know, Sally needs a dollhouse or a doll, and, and Jimmy wants, you know, a cat. But John brought up the idea of, like, you know, what happens when the kids start saying, you know, well, I want Dad to come home. I want food on the table. I want the whole family to be here together for Christmas because, you know, my brother's over in Afghanistan, or they're not here for some reason. At what point do these petitions to, to Santa become prayers? Is there a line? What is prayer? It's something I really never sat down and thought about. So are we praying to Santa? Can you, is, is it possible to pray to people? Sh are we doing it wrong? Is there, is the, then when we start to ask questions like that, are we doing it wrong? Is there a right way to pray? It gets really weird, and you start asking all these questions to yourself, and you start doing this, like, inward look. What have I been doing this whole time? You know, and then you begin to sit there, and you're like, well, I pray out loud when I was a child. I, I did it, personally, I did it always before meals with my family. And then you'd say your own prayers in your head, like if you're laying in bed, eventually in your teenage years. And then you get older, and I feel like it's there but it's not there, and I, I, I kind of feel like this. there's this gap. And how do I address this gap? Like, it wasn't always there. And was that just me being naive as a child, or, or have I just forgot something about it? Have I lost communication? And really, at the heart of it, I believe that's what prayer is. I believe it's a communication between us and God. So, exactly what's going on here? Have we lost touch? Have we, should we get back on our knees and start praying? Should we, you know, should I start saying it vocally again? Should I start, I mean, what can I do to get back to that point?
So I was sitting there thinking the other day when we brought up this topic and Quinn brought it to us. I was like, well, if we're looking on how to pray, maybe we should go back to the source. Maybe we should ask ourselves, how do we pray? But looking at the guy who's like, kind of we're getting a lot of our messages from Jesus. So the time was about 30 A.D. I want to set the setting for you all. So it's 30 A.D., and there's this rabbi. And this rabbi is doing a lot of things differently. He's this teacher. And he's got about 12 disciples that are following him around all over Galilee and stuff. And there's this custom that comes up. It's called Passover. Now, over at Passover meal every year, they have this meal. They have this feast. And if you've ever looked up, who here's looked up much about Passover? Anyone? Show of hands. It's a really interesting tradition and meal for the Jewish culture. It's about the plight out of Egypt. Um, there's a lot of very, like, kind of like things that we do at New Year's, traditions or stuff they do in Passover. They have a lot of very diff- various different things that they do for different portions of the meal. There's a, there's a portion where they send the youngest boy to check at the door to see if anybody else is there to just come to the meal. Now, a lot of things happen this night, this night of Passover. So Jesus knew the end was coming. He knew it was really, really close. Jesus that night taught us how to pray. That night he also, you know, Judas was going to betray him. He went out to the Garden of Gethsemane and prayed. We'll be talking about that here in a few. He taught us how to pray. And really, there was just a lot that happened that night. And it was a really big night. If you kind of go back and look at it, a lot happened there. So, you know, they're sitting down at this Passover meal that they've all had millions of times. You know, well, Jesus is 30, so let's say he's had it 30 times. <laughs> it's not unfamiliar. So they've got the, the routine things that they're doing. They're sitting down. They're having their meal. You know, the youngest goes and checks at the door. And then they also have the first communion. So here in front of his disciples, Jesus says, you know, here's here's this new covenant. Here's this new thing that I am introducing to each and every one of you right now. And go and do this more to remember me. Now, probably at this point, like, the disciples are kind of confused. They're like, remember you? What, what, you know, a lot of strange things are going on here, but Jesus knows already. So get that in your head already. Jesus knows that he's going to die. He's fully aware of this. Yet still, he sees within his own nature to try and teach us more, just his little last moments he has here. Before he's gone, and we have this despair in us, like on Good Friday, what's going on? I don't know what's happening. Jesus is gone. He's dead. But he, he showed us all these things just 24 hours ago, I swear. He was sitting there eating with us. We were having a good time. We had dinner. We had Passover. We've been doing Passover for years. And now he's gone. Maybe those teachings mean a little more in that sense. Now, at, at that meal, after everything, he said, he kind of gave this prayer. Now, the Lord's Prayer was something that Jesus said himself. And this was verbatim. 
Now, the original over there in Greek that we have transcribed, I, I can't read that. I don't know Greek. I'm, I apologize. But growing up, the Lord's Prayer became something that I just said. Now, in Matthew 6, 9 through 13, they give a really good rundown. Jesus flat out says it. That's exactly where he runs down the Lord's Prayer. He says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forget us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now as a child, me, I learned these things as a kid. And it becomes this race, kind of, with me and all my friends. You know, we're sitting there at church. We're a bunch of, like, country kids who don't, you know, we're just, we're lucky to have shoes on our feet a lot of the time. So we begin to memorize this stuff. And we'd be able to spit it out at any given moment. I remember at the time I was 13 years old, and I swear I could sit down and recite the, like, 95% of my Sunday's church service right there at any given moment. The Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer. The only thing I didn't know was that responsive prayer that we had where I had to read a line, he had to read a line, because that's going to change every week, and I can't, I can't judge that. But this one, this one I had. I got this one, you know. It's not going anywhere. And it got to the point where I wasn't saying it. I was just puking it out every week. It wasn't an expression. It wasn't a conversation. It was just something I did. Really, to me at that point, this has become meaningless, and that's horrible. Something that the creator of the world came down and gave me, a lesson that he tried to teach me, that he tried to show me right in front of me. Somehow in my childhood, whatever, I don't care, cool, it's more about me and what I can do every week. And that's like one thing off the list. I said it, it's gone, I'm good. But have you ever really sat down and looked at the Lord's Prayer? When you look at it from a different perspective and kind of a a different age, it becomes interesting. And there's a lot of things that Jesus does that are really, really interesting how he phrases stuff. I guess I already went over this as repetition, regurgitation. But how many things in our everyday life do we begin to do this? It kind of becomes disgusting if you think about it. And it becomes like a force of habit. And sometimes it's beautiful. Sometimes it's magnificent. What can come? A few years ago, my great uncle here in town passed away. I loved him to death. He was laying there in the hospital bed. And his wife, who's a my aunt, dear friend of mine, love her to death, Reba, went in to kiss him. And he's laying there in bed, can't talk, almost in a vegetative state. But every time she kneeled in, he kissed her. Was that repetition? Was that God? Was it something else? I don't know. But you know what? It happened, and I saw it. So is there a beauty to repetition? doing something and practicing it and getting it down. Yes. Yes, there is. There is a good thing in that. But it's always good every now and then 
to go back and remind yourself why you do it. Why do we say these things? Why do, why do every day I get up out of bed and go to work? Why every day do I, why, why do we come here? What's the point in coming here? You know, I can sit down at my house and pray. What's the point? Do we understand what we just said? Do we, do we care? Sometimes it's great to go back to those roots and find out exactly what we meant. So in Matthew 6, 9 through 13, you know, the creator of the universe, the son of our God, which that, that could be a whole other sermon, understanding the Trinity, but we're not going to go there today because that's not the point. <laughs> that is an entirely different, <laughs> it's wild. So he sits here and he says, okay, our father who art in heaven, not my father. Us as a collective group, every single one of us here, past, present, future, all of our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done. God, we want what you want. And we as a collective group want to see that. Not what we want to see, not, not the things in front of us, but whatever you have directed for us, that's what we want. It becomes selfless. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors. Let's take a step back. The first part, give us this day our daily bread. Not tomorrow. Give us what we can do and what we need to just make it through the day. Man, I could really use a new job. So I can, you know, provide for my family and get us a car and get us there and there and there. But here Jesus is saying, you know, just give us what we need to get through today. Let me have at least my daily provisions. How many of us pray like that? Now, this is when it gets tricky, guys. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, in other translations, it's forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. You know, there's many different translations. But this is implying that we've done it. And have we? Can we? Coming to this and regurgitating this, have I done this thus far? What am I saying? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's pretty straightforward. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Forever and ever, some versions do. But this is once again knowing that God up there is the only one that's in charge. It's not up to me. 
And he can do things and I can react to it or he can work through me. But ultimately, it's not up to me. It's to this divine cosmic existence that's beyond me and beyond my rationale and comparison. And it's really becoming selfless. It's removing us from the equation. And once again, there's that word us. Because it's not just me. If we prayed like this every day, do we really mean it? Are our actions speaking through our prayer that we actually mean this thing that we're saying? And we're saying it every week. My friend Clint, when I was a little boy, we had a nighttime prayer that we said before bed. And it was, once again, very repetitious. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray thee, Lord, my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray thee, Lord, my soul to take. And this I ask for Jesus' sake. Amen. Remix. So <laughs> but Clint always said the Lord's Prayer. And we'd have a sleepover or something, and he would say the Lord's Prayer. And I, I just thought it was interesting. Oh, you do things differently at your house with your family. That's, that's neat. And then in growing up, I'm like, his prayer was a bit more intense than mine. <laughs> Now, did he understand it? I know that's between Clint and God, because I believe prayer, at its most beautiful point, is between you and the creator of the universe. But it's one of those things we have to remind ourselves. We are going between us and the creator of the universe. Kind of a big deal. Here we have this connection through Jesus, who showed us how to pray. We have no excuse. We, we know how to do these things. They're right here in front of us. So why am I not paying attention when I'm doing it? Should I have some humility when I go before God? Should I have some reverence? Maybe. Maybe I need to look into it a little harder and see exactly where my heart's at. Are the things I'm asking for necessary? What happens if I don't get them? Is he really listening? Yeah, yeah, he's listening. <laughs> I guarantee it. But it, you begin to like do this self, self-worth and learning and looking at yourself and reflection. And you begin to ask, like, where did I go wrong? So the Bible also talks about going to God as our father. And I believe that's also beautiful too. Now some of us have had rough iterations with our father, with our family. But kind of the idea here is he wants us to be approachable at any given point. There's a Bible verse when I was a kid. I remember we had this memory book in our 40-person schoolhouse. And every day you had to memorize a verse. So the first week, I'm in first grade, you know, I got this little little manila-looking memory book. I still got a copy of it at my house. I put a sticker of a fox on it because I thought it was really cool. You got a sticker at the end of the week if you got all your verses right. And I was like, yes, fox sticker. Nobody else had a fox sticker. They had stars. and I think Evan had a manatee, my little brother, but that's beside the fact. But one of the first weeks, the verse there was pray without ceasing. I was like, Mom, what does ceasing mean? She's like, well, that, Jacob, that means just to never stop praying. I'm like, well, I'm going to just say it then. Just 
don't quit praying. Just continually talk to God. So growing up, I was like, yeah, yeah, why don't, why don't I just talk to God while I'm walking down the street or while I'm doing anything? And I, for the longest time, I thought that was really, really good. I'm like, yeah, if I've, I've got a constant connection to God, that's great. I'm walking with him all the time. But then I start to do things that maybe God doesn't approve of. Maybe I don't approve of. Maybe I stop thinking about God. The thing is, he's still there. It's all still there, whether I accept it or not. And that praying unceasingly just kind of gets thrown by the wayside. So is it good to talk to God nonstop? Yeah. Is it good to go to him with reverence and understand exactly what we're doing? Yeah. The question is, how often are we even doing it? The answer is probably not enough. So how should we pray? Once again, we come to this question, is there a right and a wrong way to pray? This is a good example. I believe the most beautiful form of prayer is between this man and the being who created this man. God's going to know your heart. He's going to know where you're at, and he's going to hear that. We just might not hear it the way we want to. So the night goes on. You know, Jesus is sitting here with his disciples, and they're like, okay, cool prayer, man. Thumbs up, dude. Can we eat? There was, like, some wine. Normally there's wine at this meal, some matzah. So they do that. And they go around the table, and Jesus is like, one of you is going to betray me tonight. They have the Lord's, they have the Last Supper, they have the sacrament of the altar. They do all these cool things, and they begin to go around the table, and finally Jesus calls out Judas. We all know this story. You're going to betray me. Oh, no. I'd never do that. Runs out, gets some money. So then they go to the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, I looked at the Garden of Gethsemane, and I did not know that still to this date, that is like the oldest garden that they've found with like the oldest olives in it. Like the oldest olive trees. Scientists believe like originated from Gethsemane. Kind of a cool thing when you think about all the symbology that Jesus has used with olives and branches and vines and trees and gardens. He came to this. Now, now in that culture too, olives were a big thing. That's how he cooked. He used them as a lot of different things. So it's really this cool symbology if you think about Gethsemane. And now here we're, we're here to talk about bad things. Bad things. Things that we don't want to happen. What happens when our prayers we feel like aren't heard? We pray for something, you know, okay. Um, I want a new car. God, help me find. And see, I've, I'm kind of tricky about it with God. I kind of try to, like, get around the curve, like, God, help me find some overtime so I can, you know, continue to do the things that I need to do. Yeah. When really it's like, God, 
I want overtime so I can go to the bar this week and have a few drinks with my buddies. God, you know, I, I need some overtime so I can pay a little extra on X. Hey, Iron Man 3 came out this weekend, God. <laughs> Help me get there. But I'm I'm going in this really weird roundabout way to do it. And then what if like I don't have that in my in my resources or funds? What if God just says no? But then we, we, we sit here and we talk about like, oh, that's, you know, that's, that's very, very inward central. But what about the big ones, Jacob? You know, like Hurricane Katrina. You know, dear God, help those victims. But there's still suffering, isn't there? There's still pain. There's still hurt. And we don't get it. We get confused and bad things happen. And then you get people that come up and start saying things like, well, how could a guy who created everything let something like this happen? Well, I don't know. How does a molecule work? Does he design that too? How does gravity work? How does, how does anything work? Well, I guess at this point, I'm, I'm taking some faith that I don't know everything. And I don't have all the answers to everything. And don't get me wrong, that's horrifying. To admit that you don't know everything is scary. But I came to this point that I'm like, you know, that's the best I've got, and I've got to run with it. And I'm never going to know everything. I don't expect to know how the mind of God works. I don't know, I don't expect to know how he's going to answer every single prayer or sit here and like be able to explain to people that I have answers to why things happen the way they do. But what I do know is I believe that God has the best in mind for those who love him. And even for the ones that don't. So this night, this night at Gethsemane, Jesus walks out here. And it's late, you know, it's after dinner. They probably had something to drink. They probably, you know, one or two of them might be a little walking a little funny or talking. Jesus is like, okay, guys, chill. I'm going to go pray. So Jesus walks off, and in Matthew 26, this is the recall of Matthew. I really like Matthew and the way kind of he lays things out. But in 2639, going a little further, he fell to his face on the ground and prayed. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. So Jesus is sitting here right in front of existence by himself in the middle of the night crying out to God. Saying, God, I don't want this. I don't want to die. He knows he's going to die. It's there. He doesn't want it. But it doesn't matter what I want. What matters is what you want. If that be it, then so be it. Kind of powerful stuff, once again, when you look at it. Here's this being that we can't even... 
comprehend, born of a virgin, in the middle of the oldest olive tree field, known to man, crying out to the being to, to the existence itself that it doesn't want to die, even though it knows it's going to die in 24 hours, which is really strange. It knows that it's about to be betrayed. And what happens on top of this? He goes back, and everybody's asleep. And that's one of those things, you know, if he already knows he's going to die, he probably knows that they're already asleep. So Jesus walks back to his buddies. And he's like, get up, guys. Come on, you know, I'm, I'm praying here. I'm, I'm having a really emotional time. I'm having a rough time dealing with a lot of things that are going to happen in about 24 hours. Come on, get, get up. So he goes away again and does this whole thing again. He's there in front of God in the darkness of the night. He said, my father, if it is not possible for me to drink this cup, be it taken away from me unless I drink it. May your will be done. Once again, God, come on now, seriously. You know, I know you're all powerful. I know I'm here. That's kind of weird. But there's another way for this to be done. Please, God, let it happen. I don't know how that way would be done because you can do it. I'm all for that. All this stuff around me here is really weird. But if there's a better way to do it, could we go with that or another way? Because I don't want to do this. We can't even explain the bad things. But Jesus knows the bad things that are going to happen and still goes before him saying, you know, I know you're all powerful. And I know you can do anything. And I know that you can do anything. And this doesn't make sense to me. If there's any other way we can do it, please. Please. So he goes back. He goes back to his disciples for a third time. And in Matthew twenty six forty four, once more, he prays the third time. It doesn't say exactly how he prays, but I'm, I'm going to say at this point it's exactly the same. He's done this three times now. Probably in a matter of, I'm going to say an hour. How often do we pray? It's really interesting how God comes, how Jesus comes here. And he knows everything that's going to happen. And he knows the whole idea that he knows what's going to happen, knows the outcome, knows what's going to come of it, but still finds it in him to ask. He asks for the impossible. Are we praying this big? Here's the guy that died for all of us, who showed us how to pray. He's given us a lesson already tonight on how to pray. He's doing even more crazy things with prayer. And he, he pulls a 180 on us, and he's like, you know, I know how things are supposed to work out, but if we could not do that, that'd be great. 
even though he knows it's going to work out that way. And then he recorded it and gave it to us and said, okay, this is how big prayer is. Once again, I believe that this, going three times and doing this, is, is reiterating a few facts. One, at this point we see the humility of Jesus. He's going to him as his father asking. It's very personal. And I think God wants that too. He wants the reverence, but he, at the same time he also wants us to be as people. So the question is, is there a right, is there a wrong way? I don't know, let's go to him and find out. not that hard. We just don't do it enough. I know I don't. So this fun word, and this is Greek for, um, for a saying in the Bible that they used a lot. It was um, amen. Amen. There's multiple different ways you could say it. Different different sects of Christianity or the Jewish do it differently. But this is kind of something, it was a proclamation. And it was kind of this, so it be. So a lot of the way we pray today, we'll say in Jesus' name, amen. So be it. Once again, are we really thinking about what we're saying in our prayer? Because we stop everything at the end and say, okay, in Jesus' name, so be it. Everything that I've just said, all these petitions, all these prayers, all these concerns that I threw it, but how Jesus would have it, then so be it. Have we ever really sat down and thought about that? Again, are we just saying stuff to be saying it? Are we filling a time slot that we feel like if somehow we press this button every day, it's going to get us somewhere. Maybe we need to think how Jesus would want it a little bit. But that shouldn't stop us from going to him. As we take the rest of this week and go and pray, or not pray, or just think. Maybe there's something for us to really think about here. Maybe I need to pray some more. Maybe I, maybe I didn't need to pray differently. But personally, I feel that going to it, that's the only way we can get things done. That's the only way we can learn is in that communication, is in that connection, is in that moment. That's where he wants us, in that walk. Prayer should be our lives. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you. 
We don't say it enough. Thank you. We don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. We like to try, but we can't. We like to have plans, but they fall through sometimes. But we know your plans are eternal. And we know the things that you have in store for us, we might not understand right now. We may never understand fully. But help us try to. Help us to see these things that are of you in this world. Bless our coming and going. Bless our days. And may they be delighted in your eyes. Help us to search for you honestly. And seek you out in everything we do. We get confused, God. Because we can't see it all. Watch over this church. Watch over the body. Because we know you are. Help us to be more like Jesus who taught us the best ways to do things and gave us messages and lessons and so much on life and how to be closer to you. Bless our work. Bless our food. Bless what we do, wherever it be. In your son's name we pray. Amen. So that takes us up to 1215. If you want to go get your kids, that'd be great. Um, that got intense there for a little bit, so I'm, I could say a joke or something. That would make things better. Anyway, um, thanks again, though. Here's Eric to say a few things to wrap it up, and then we can all go home. Thank you, Jacob. Yeah, um, so whenever I was in Sunday school, you know, back in the day, right, we'd kind of walk in at 9 o'clock in the morning or whatever and study a few things. Can't hear me? You can get your kids, please, please. All I want to say is I think it's pretty common in churches uh, to not leave people with homework. Right, we call it Sunday school. We kind of leave all that work for the the Sunday morning time that we don't really dive any deeper in the the Monday through Saturday. Um, so I guess my challenge, homework to you all is uh, uh, prayer. Right, and Jacob, a big piece of this message today was a a prayer that's written in the Bible. Right, this is uh, the Word of God, and um, a prayer that's also dear to my heart that is also in the Bible is, uh, I believe, known as the Shema uh, from the Old Testament. And it's in Deuteronomy 6. It is um, the chapter after uh, the Ten uh, Commandments are decreed. And it's, it's, it's simple, and it goes like this. It says, uh, this is Deuteronomy 6, uh, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
Uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments, the Ten Commandments, uh, that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Uh, so that, that's some homework uh, in that prayer, right? Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and whatnot. Yeah, so uh, that's the Word of God. Um, in those times when, when you struggle uh, to come up with prayer, you know, on your own, uh, I just encourage you to, to look through the Bible. Uh, there are lots of prayers in here, and they're beautiful. So thank you all. Have a great week.